This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. You're being called in because there's the recognition that something isn't working anymore. Something was working and for some reason it just doesn't work anymore. And usually it's because the company's progressed to a certain point where what got them to where they are isn't going to get them to the next level. Um, but unfortunately, when you're called in, it, there's usually a mess that you have to clean up to. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, everyone. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode. You know, in my experience, I don't know of a single CEO or COO who doesn't depend upon the company's project management experts to keep cross-functional operations running as smoothly as possible. The desire for critical business initiatives to be executed on time and within budget, especially when multiple key stakeholders are involved, is truly a pipe dream without effective project management. To take us behind the curtain to better understand the dynamics of project management within an organization, we have on today's show Trevor Kaysenden. He's the Director of Project Management at Radiance Living. Trevor is a star in the project management field who has also led project management teams at enterprises such as Young Living Essential Oils, Godiva Chocolates, and Bristol Myers Squid. Listen as we chat about the value of having a project management officer in the C-suite, as well as how Trevor has excelled in his career while being on the autism spectrum. Be sure to listen to his addition to our leadership execution playbook and my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share tips on how to use today's insights to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Well, hi, Trevor. It's so great for you to have uh, agreed to come on our podcast today. We thank you so much for your time and welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's very exciting. Awesome. Well, before we really get cracking on some of the interesting stories and nuggets that you have for us, um, why don't you share with the audiences a little bit about your personal and professional life for as much as you feel comfortable, obviously. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, you know, for the past 20 years, I've been a progressive project management professional and so many different areas, oil and gas, pharmaceuticals, chocolates, uh, consumer goods, uh, manufacturing and construction. And for the past 10 years, uh, I've been, my husband and I have been married and we just last year adopted a teenage boy uh, during the what? middle of the pandemic. Congratulations. Uh, as if that wasn't stressful enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I'm sure that brought a lot of joy in your lives, uh, oh, especially yes, during that absolutely. crazy time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Wonderful. And if you don't mind sharing, uh, how are you enjoying being dads? You know, I really feel like I'm taken to it like a duck to water, which is a shock <laughs> to everybody I know. And to me, uh, you know, it's uh, it for me, it's more comes more naturally than I expected it to. Oh, well, that uh, is which awesome. is very exciting. Well, wonderful. Well, if um, so I have a 22 year old and uh, I'll just say, enjoy the years because you blink and they are absolutely gone. So enjoy the time together. Yeah, yeah I hear you on that. <laughs> Well, Trevor, um, I know uh, that you are a project manager extraordinaire or project leader extraordinaire, and um, I would just love for you to share with our listeners a little bit more about, you know, what it's like um, being a project management leader and, uh, you know, some of the ups and downs that you've had to tackle during Mm -hmm. your career. Well, one thing I I always tell people when they call in somebody to develop a project management office or even just have their first project manager is you're being called in because there's the recognition that something isn't working anymore. Something was working and for some reason it just doesn't work anymore. And usually it's because the company's progressed to a certain point where what got them to where they are isn't going to get them to the next level. Um, Mm, But unfortunately, when you're called in, it, there's usually a mess that you have to clean up too. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, to do to do this work, you have to be uh, really organized, but also very flexible, which is very difficult. Mm. Uh, you know, you can't be that rigid uh, person who is unwilling to go with the flow while things are just moving through the pipeline and getting things uh, into a better place. Mm. Uh, you can't just stop everything and start anew. That's not how business works. <laughs> no, it sure isn't. Yeah. It sure isn't. And I'm, I'm just curious, um, for the project leaders that I know, um, I always hear them talking about all the organizational dynamics that are going on um, mm. in their jobs. And sometimes things are going well, and then sometimes there's a lot of dysfunction. And so I'm just curious, have you seen those, that in your experience? Oh, absolutely. And frankly, if you haven't seen dysfunction in an organization, I don't think you've worked in very many organizations. (laughs) It's just normal. But um, really, project management uh, is obviously process focused. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when you're coming in as a project management professional, there's a cultural problem. There's a Mm -hmm. cultural, either it's a change that is coming or the culture doesn't for purpose anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you can put in all of the processes and procedures that, you know, the PMP tells you to put together. Mm -hmm. But if you don't work on the culture, it's, Mm -hmm. it's pointless. Mm. Uh, So many many organizations run into uh, becoming siloed, whether they're big or small. Mm -hmm. It's uh, natural for us to kind of just put on blinders and stay with within our own specialization. But also, unfortunately, that means that we're not communicating outside of our specialization. Mm-hmm. And when we're not reaching across the aisle to, as I say to my team members, to shake the hands of our team members and see what's going on, 
we can't get things across the finish line as quickly as we could, or even with as great quality as we mm. could. Right. Uh, I, there are times where I've run into organizations where uh, the project lead doesn't speak to certain functional areas in an organization just wow. because it's the, the idea is we don't bother them. They just do their piece and they hand us the work. Well, if, why aren't we bothering them? Why aren't we talking to them? You can't be in an organization, but not be of the organization. Great. If, if that makes sense. No, um, excellent point. We all are working from the same box of tools and mm-hmm. we, we need to be able to communicate. It's, uh, it's a big challenge. And frankly, one that I see is, for, unfortunately, in my opinion, getting worse. And uh, I don't know if that's because of the pandemic or just the way things are generally uh, progressing in the business world with how quickly things are, are churning. Mm. It's probably a mix of both, I would guess. Um, you know, people are you know, have found their new normal. It's no longer getting to find their new normal. They have found their new normal and they're trying to navigate through that. Right. Uh, So in my experience, um, and you know, as humans, we're not really great on change sometimes. So trying to figure that out uh, can be a huge challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the pandemic added a whole new level to it and uh, frankly makes my job a thousand times more difficult because I, I've always said that it takes a hundred emails or text messages or whatever to accomplish what one or two conversations face to face can accomplish. I can imagine. Uh, so it, it is, it's a whole new dynamic. It's a lot more of learning how to manage virtual relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see uh, where we are in another year or two. I, I bet it is. Now, I know, Trevor, you've had a lot of experience um, even establishing um, program management offices as well as stepping in and leading um, already established ones. But I'm really curious, especially on the ones that you've had to establish, like as a leader, where do you start? Because you have, um, you know, a new well, maybe you have to recruit, you know, for folks, I'm not quite sure, but um, where do you start and what norms do you try to establish early on with your um, teams to set them up for success? Right. So I start at the, at the very base level of having a common understanding of what our goal is uh, as the team and how mm-hmm. that goal feeds into the organization's goals and objectives, if they have them. Some organizations don't sometimes. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, the first thing that I, I do is make sure the team is aligned in a common goal. That way, we all have something to aim for. We're mm-hmm. all clear. That's our end uh, That's our end target. How we get there is, is going <laughs> to be many different ways. Sure. Uh, and it's going to look different for, for every different person on the team. But first and foremost, a common goal. We have mm-hmm. to have that. And that's not something that I hand to the team. It's not mm-hmm. valuable if I say to the team, this is our goal. What's valuable is if we as the team sit together and we discuss what it is that we're actually delivering uh, mm-hmm. to our end user, to our customers. Uh, so, uh, for example, you know, we really dug into, in my, one of my previous roles, we weren't really delivering just products but we were delivering mm-hmm. products to help people live 
a healthier, cleaner lifestyle and also help people provide for their families. And it really helps change the dynamic when you're looking at it that way. You're not just a cog in a machine anymore. You're actively contributing not only to the company's success, to your local economy's success, but you're contributing to an individual person's personal success. And that ties you more to the work that we're doing. That gives you a sense of purpose. Uh, so once you've, once you've got your goals, you know, I can train, we can train anybody, any, any ways to manage a project, uh, every project management system that there is under the sun. And, you know, we, we did so at, in my previous role where we had a team of 23 project managers. And if I remember off the top of my head, maybe four of them uh, had any actual previous project management experience. Wow, but only four? Only four, and <laughs> it wasn't a huge problem because as long as somebody has the aptitude to be able to learn the software and the techniques, then they can be trained. The biggest key, the biggest challenge is culture and goal alignment. Is somebody going to fit with the team because uh, what I don't want my team to turn into a microcosm of the problems in the larger organization. Mm -hmm. They need to work together. They can't be siloed. They need to be able to reach across the aisle and talk to them about what's going on and what, what problems they're facing. Right. So, you know, once we've moved on from that, then we, we discuss what uh, our team motto should be. You know, that's uh, we all, uh, I feel like, you know, we need to have some kind of mottos if we're a little business inside of the organization. Of and course, a rallying cry, right? Yeah, exactly. It's our <laughs> rallying cry. And every morning we would, we'll start with that rallying cry uh, after our 30-minute huddle because we'll go around the, the room to discuss are there any big challenges anybody needs help with, what's on everybody's plate for the day to really focus everybody as to what's going on today and give mm -hmm. everybody that, that space to share mm -hmm. solutions or challenges with the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. And then they can have their own breakaway sessions if they, they need to. Mm -hmm. And at, at the end of that, then we, you know, we lead off with our, our rallying cry, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, and that's, that's really how we start. That's the mm -hmm. very beginning of, mm -hmm. uh, of creating a project management office. And you'll okay. notice none of that has, you'll find none of that inside of the PMBOK. It's not, it has nothing specific to project management. What we're doing is building a team. That's right. No, you're absolutely right. And I'm curious, in your opinion, what is one of the biggest things that can derail someone from being successful um, on a project management team? Like, what are some of the, the biggest watchouts? The, the biggest watchouts uh, for a project management team member is that there's this, um, what's the right word? There, there's this drive to take pieces of projects that are undesirable and mm -hmm. move them into the project manager's responsibility. Mm. So there's, a, there's an under, a misunderstanding of what a project manager is and what mm -hmm. a project manager isn't. And the way that I always break it down is that we aren't the ones actually doing the work. We're in the trenches with you, 
We're telling you what needs to be done and when, but we know we can't do your job. Right. We can't do that. So we, we need to get team members to align to that. And it's a l- constant reminding of this is what a project manager is and what a project manager isn't. Just mm-hmm. like I wouldn't ask an R&D person to go and do some graphic design, you're not going to ask your project manager to go and do the graphic design or go create a new formula. You know, we couldn't. It right. would be a mess. <laughs> uh, but that's the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge, uh, I would say. Gotcha. And do you think that program management offices have the right level of attention by the C-suite? Or do you have to, what I'm trying to figure out is, do you have to fight for their attention? Or are they banging down your door um, needing updates and help and think that you're two partners? We definitely need to fight for C-suite attention. And that's Mm -hmm. a big problem uh, because the C-suite usually is the one that realizes there's a problem. We need a project management office. Let's get one in place. Mm -hmm. But it's a matter of partnering and teamwork. They have to partner with us to help us guide things through the pipeline to match what the C-suite team executive, what the executive team's goals and objectives are. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of times they, uh, the the C-suite executives will treat a project management office as a, okay, we brought you in. Why aren't all our problems fixed? And that that's not what we're, we're there for. We're not, we're not there for that. Right. Um, So I definitely think it requires more Mm C-suite interaction. And, and, and it sounds like, um, and I know not all organizations are open to this, but it sounds like having a service level agreement conversation with the C-suite um, is valuable so that they know, you know, what you're responsible for and what you can, mm-hmm. like you said, what you mm-hmm. can and can't do um, and what types of support that overall team and function needs um, and how they should think about prioritizing what you all do. Am I off base? Yes. No, no, that that's absolutely right. And if you want to even go one step further, I'm a big proponent of developing a new C-suite role that is project focused. Oh, tell me yeah, more. In, in large organizations, the, you've got projects that are running uh, upwards from a month to years Mm-hmm. In, in your pipeline. And mm-hmm. it could be products, it could be internal projects, just to optimize things. But an enterprise project management office should be able to support all of those, mm-hmm. wh- whether it's uh, direct hands-on or branches off that team that are, say, out in your warehouses or uh, down at the, the store level or what have you. But there, in my opinion, there really needs to be more involvement of project management and leadership at all levels of the of organizations. Uh, every department has some project going on, whether they call it a project or not. They've got yes, they sure and, do. <laughs> and every project, every department does not have a project manager, uh, and nor does that project have the visibility of leadership. And it's beneficial because. We need to get that visibility all the way up to leadership to show, hey, first and foremost, these are the things that these departments are working on and why their bandwidth may be constrained. Mm -hmm. Or, hey, these are the things people are working on, and this is where your budget dollars are going Mm -hmm. to work on these projects. 
there's so much invisibility to that. And now that we're in a much more remote work environment, it's going to become even more difficult to get visibility to it. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it's it's all bad. Um, right. You know, sometimes there's things that we don't need to bring to the C-suite's attention. Goodness sure. knows that. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot on their plates too. <laughs> they have so much on their plate. Yeah. But I see a lot of uh, organizations where there's not a lot of leadership on how to execute the overall company's objectives. Mm. Whereas in reality, at least to my mind, it's not that difficult. Outline the objectives, let your project team break those down into manageable, digestible pieces into how they flow down through every step in the organization. And then the solutions, the resolutions to those objectives bubble up from the bottom and And deliver it. Uh, and I haven't seen uh, I, I haven't seen any companies really do that yet. Mm. That makes a ton of sense. And so I'm going to ask you this, Trevor. Say we had every CEO in the world listening to our podcast here, and you could give them one piece of advice. What is one uh, piece we should add to our leadership playbook to help them? think more strategically about program management offices? Hmm. I would say if you're not paying attention to it, then you can't control it. Hmm. So a lot of times uh, organizations are putting blinders on or their heads in the head in the sand Mm -hmm. over really difficult problems. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying project management's the solution to all of it. Right. But um, hiding from problems is is a big challenge and should not be something that a leader should be doing. No, great point. And if I can add on to that, I love your idea of adding uh, a role at the C-suite level, because that's where a lot of the decisions are made in the staff meetings and in those conversations, having someone that's representing your function at that level if they don't have someone already, they should consider um, incorporating that type of role mm-hmm. up front. Absolutely. Do you disagree? No, I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, when you don't have somebody that's just dedicated to that, it's very difficult for that person to um, not have a bias to what their uh, originating position is, whether you're in supply chain, marketing, or R&D. If you have project thrown on top of that, you're going to be supply chain marketing or R&D first right. and then project management. Yeah. It's really important to have uh, somebody that's solely project focused. I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, I don't want to get you off the podcast before um, having you share a little uh not a little, a wonderful, interesting fact. And I wanted to put it out there to our listeners um, because we all, you know, merge work and life together. We all, you know, kind of prioritize (laughs) uh, our days. I don't know anyone who totally shuts one away from the other, but you were so generous to share that um, you're uh, on the spectrum, the autism spectrum, 
And I found that so fascinating because you're such a high performing leader, number one, um, anyway. But then number two, it's not something that is normally talked about in the corporate world. And you have um, found ways to be successful and I won't even say in spite of it, because it's part of you, it's part of your life, it's part of um, who you are. Um, but I just wanted individuals to know out there that um, those on the spectrum can be exemplary leaders just like you. And I'd, I'd love to share you to share a little bit about how you approach the world of work. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm still learning. Uh, I was diagnosed when I was uh, in my late 30s, which uh, shocked wow. me. But then when when it was the diagnosis was read out to me, it was like, well, obviously, why didn't anybody know this? <laughs> but the big thing that I have learned, mm-hmm. the big takeaway for me is that I need to talk about it at work. Mm. I need people to understand that I'm not neurotypical. I'm neuroatypical mm-hmm. and my mind doesn't operate in certain ways. Uh, so I've, I've literally had conversations with, with my manager saying, listen, I need you to be exceptionally direct with me and don't give me nuance or uh, political speak mm-hmm. because my brain cannot process that because I'm on the spectrum. I wow. need direct and literal conversation. Otherwise, I'm not going to pick up on the nuance. And I I have to say, it's been really interesting seeing how open uh, my co-workers and my managers have been uh, to it. It's it's really been more nerve-wracking leading up to the discussion, but being able to talk about it and say, hey, this is how you ha- I need you to approach me. I'm mm-hmm. trying to approach, like meet you where you are. I need you to meet we- me where I am. Uh, you know, it's a two-way street. It is a two-way street. And um, I just want to, not you know, just congratulate you, but just to say what a fantastic um, an effort to have a courageous conversation with your boss and peers, because uh, me being an organizational effectiveness specialist, Uh, I have come across um, individuals that have had a a variety of things that they needed to disclose um, with their managers just so that they know how to work more effectively together. And some are open to it. And to be honest with you, some aren't. And Mm. so, you know, having an advocate in the workplace um, has been invaluable to um, those that has gone well. And for those that hadn't gone well, um, honestly, they left the organizations because they weren't getting what they needed to be you know, successful in the workplace. So I'm glad mm. to hear you're in a good situation right now. Yes, yes. Knock on wood. Uh, thank goodness. <laughs> and, and kudos to to the leaders at my organization. Definitely. Oh, definitely kudos to them. All right, Trevor, well, we're going to um, do our last segment um, okay. called Full Disclosure. <laughs> These That's are fun right. questions that we ask so that um, our listeners get to learn a little bit more about you on a personal level. And so my first question to you is, um, what is your favorite way to relax and decompress? My favorite way to relax and decompress. I love to put on some old school jazz records, oh, uh, I love jazz too. literal vinyl, and 
and have a cocktail and just sit in my living room and and just listen to music and and just chill out it is Uh, yeah it's it doesn't even have to be a cocktail it could just be a cup of coffee no we i love a cocktail so what's your favorite cocktail (laughs) (laughs) really bourbon straight up oh my gosh okay so i'm a wimp but i'm a i love a nice glass of chardonnay um, and <laughs> that is my favorite. So, and I love jazz Very too. Nice. So we have a lot in common there. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. My next question for you is, um, what is one of your biggest pet peeves? What drives you crazy sometimes? <laughs> it's the silliest thing. Chewing noises. <laughs> I, I don't know what it what is was about it? Chewing, chewing noises. Oh, chewing noises. <laughs> I have no idea what that's about, but it drives me up a wall. Does it? <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> that's so interesting. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite sport or sports team? Uh, I don't. I could probably tell you absolutely nothing about sports. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I don't follow a single one. <laughs> uh, well, what's the hobby of yours that you might have? Uh, cars. So cars. whether it's reading about cars or working on classic cars, uh-huh. uh, it, it, that's my thing. I love, I love machinery because, um, it's, it, to me, it's very straightforward. Uh, you know, right. it either works one way or it doesn't. No, there you're <laughs> um, right. <laughs> and, uh, cars have always just fascinated me just, especially over the last hundred years, how technology has just changed so dramatically. And it right has. now, you can already see we're on another hyper path of changing technology in uh, the automotive world. So to me, it's just endlessly fascinating. No, I can. Yes, we are. Yes. And um, I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime, but I bet that we'll have some sort of flying cars. And I do think they're going to use more of the bullet trains more around the world. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so, so with the with the bullet trains. We we need a lot more uh, of that, uh, especially here in the United States. We need to make it easier to get across the country. We do. I mean, take the you know, I've taken the train from London to Paris many times. Um, I've traveled quite extensively globally, and I'm like, oh my gosh, if we had this in the states, it would have been fantastic <laughs> right right yeah. yes I'm, I'm always amazed with europe's uh, rail infrastructure yeah, me too me too definitely <laughs> all right trevor so this one is called turn the table so i'm going to give you an opportunity to ask a question of me okay anything so it is friday afternoon work is over and it's been a really stressful week yes. where are we going to find you Oh, that's a good one. You will find me on date night with the hubby. So ever since we dated um, and we've been married for close to 20 years now, but we've always had date nights on Friday nights. Every Friday at 730, we have it. And we alternate weeks on who plans. So the catch is you have to call the other person at 430. 
p.m. on that Friday to let them know what we're doing so we can dress appropriately or get Ooh, ready. Okay. So keep a little spice in it in yeah. the planning. <laughs> and we try to one-up each other all the time, obviously. So. <laughs> but yes, date night every Friday night. And to be honest with you, Trevor, I have always, you know, shared this fat with work and people. So it's gotten to be quite well known around my professional and personal circles that, okay, Karen and uh, Victor aren't going to be available on Friday nights because they have date nights. They always work and plan around oh. that. So, <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Uh, great question, though. <laughs> All right. And then one last thing, um, Trevor, we try to tie in. Um, as you know, I've done a lot of research on uh, leadership tactics of effective leaders. And uh, I shared with you the seven that I've written a book about. And I'd mm-hmm. love for you to share with the audience if there's one that really popped out or resonated with you as you think about in your career, what was one of those tactics that have really helped either you be successful or you've seen it help other leaders to be successful? Oh, I, absolutely. Uh, leading with courageous agility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, really, it, it could be the, the the title to my entire work history <laughs> because, <Really? laughs> uh, of having to having to go through life um, neuroatypical, but mm-hmm. uh, also having to be in the project management field. You really have to stand up for what you believe in and doing the right thing, right? <clears throat> Whether it's the right thing on a project. Uh, the right thing uh, when it comes to uh, diversity, inclusion, uh, and and quality at the office place. If you're not able to be a stand for what is right and for what you believe in, then in, in my opinion, you're not leading yet. You have to be able to lead with the, your beliefs before you can really become a leader. That's so true. And I cannot top that. So we're going <laughs> to close out the podcast uh, episode. But Trevor, thank you so much for joining us. There were tons of nuggets of information that I think our audience members will find valuable. And um, and thank you for leading with courageous agility by sharing so much information on the podcast. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And I hope you do, too. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Trevor Kisundan. Links to his bio, his entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources on project management can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform of choice and at leadyourgamepodcast.com. Now for Karen's tape. Did you know that 30 years ago, 80% of the resources in an organization were dedicated to operations and only 20% to projects? Well, today that ratio has flipped. And despite this fact, most organizations still don't have a senior leader overseeing all project activities. 
I totally agree with Trevor's recommendation to include the project management function at the C-suite level, because this is where major strategy and operation decisions are made, and a chief project officer definitely could provide intense value and insight on how to avoid catastrophes before they happen. I mean, think about the time and money which could be saved if high-risk operations are course-corrected before implementation. As a CEO or board member, I know I would welcome that any day of the week. I mean, wouldn't you? Successful project management professionals must definitely possess a high acumen to effectively lead with both strategic decision-making and a drive for results. And if you're curious, more info on helping your teams develop these two leadership tactics and more can be found using the short link bit.ly, which is bit.ly forward slash develop your game. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes, with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.